You're listening to Oliver's Insights with AMP's Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver. This podcast is part of AMP's Simplifying Investing podcast series. In today's episode, Shane turns his attention back to the property market. According to CoreLogic data for May, Australia's house prices fell for the first time since September 2020. So what are the main drivers behind the downturn? Are further falls expected? And what are the main risks from here? Stick around to hear more from our resident expert. Now, before we jump into things, a quick reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what is right for you. Any general tax information provided is intended as a guide only. With that out of the way, here's Shane. Thanks, Adam. And good day, everyone. If my voice sounds a little bit funny through this podcast, it's because I'm at the tail end of a little bout of coronavirus, which I think I got on a plane flying around Australia um, just over a week ago. So hopefully, touch wood, I'm on the mend, and hopefully Australia generally is on the mend from the uh, the coronavirus pandemic, which has impacted across Australia and across the world so badly over the last couple of years. Um, I'm pretty confident we are heading towards it becoming endemic um, and obviously it's still going to be with us for a while yet but the vaccines seem to be doing the trick and of course uh, hopefully coronavirus continues to evolve in a way which makes it less harmful to humans as has been the case so far with the Omicron variants. So if we talk about house prices which is going to be my topic for today um, I did talk about this uh, back in April at the very first uh, podcast in the Oliver's Insights podcast series and of course we learnt that for the month of May, home prices across Australia fell 0.1%, according to CoreLogic. That is their first decline since September of 2020, which of course was back in the initial phase of the pandemic-related lockdowns, which of course did have a a small impact on the property market, much smaller than I would have thought because as low interest rates kicked in and property prices took off again. Now, in the interim period, prices, according to CoreLogic, rose a whopping 28.6% over 21 months. That is their strongest gain, strongest 21-month gain since 2003. So massive rise in home prices. Some parts of Australia have seen home prices go up a lot more than that, which of course has stretched affordability. Now, of course, we're seeing a bit of payback for that. Now, I mentioned prices down 0.1%, but in Sydney, they fell 1%. Sydney prices have fallen for four months in a row. And in Melbourne, they've fallen 0.7%. And of course, Melbourne prices are down for three months in a row. So we have seen some acceleration to the downside as interest rates have started to rise. Uh, Well, continue to rise for fixed rates and started to rise for variable rates. Um, Monthly momentum in home price growth, don't forget, peaked way back in March last year at 2.8%, according to CoreLogic, and it's been steadily slowing ever since, and of course is now starting to go negative. Now, of course, there's a bunch of cities still holding up. Brisbane still reporting solid growth, although it's slowed down and pretty much a similar story right across Australia. Price growth for those cities that are still rising has slowed down. The strongest, of course, is Adelaide, where prices rose 1.8% in the month of May. So what's going on here? Now, basically, we had a property boom, one of the biggest in our history. Um, Strongest annual price growth last year since 1988 or the late 1980s anyway. Um, residential property prices boomed on the back of very low mortgage rates. In fact, record low mortgage rates. You could get a mortgage for three years locked in at 1.9% or less in some cases. We had government incentives. We had a recovery from the pandemic lockdowns. 
course, it wasn't a smooth one, but nevertheless, it was a recovery. Uh, we saw a lack of supply across Australia. We saw coronavirus driving a switch in consumer spending from services because we couldn't go on holidays and what have you into goods like housing. And of course, FOMO kicked in, fear of missing out. And of course, all of those things sent prices ballistic. But the cycle is now well and truly turned down. And of course, that's also evident in other housing related indicators. Property transactions have been slowing and auction clearance rates have come down from, if you take Sydney, above 80%. If you go back at the start of 2021, most recent numbers sort of down around the high 50s, low 60% and a similar slowdown, not quite as dramatic in Melbourne. So slowdown on the way. What's driving this slowdown? Um, bunch of factors really. Deteriorating affordability, prices go up 30%. What do you expect? A lot of buyers get priced out of the market. And of course, that has been a big factor. Um, we've seen a, a doubling or more than a doubling in fixed mortgage rates. You could have got a loan, as I mentioned earlier, at 1.9% if you go back a year. Now those rates are pushing towards and above 5%. We're starting to see the Reserve Bank raise interest rates, which happened in May. And of course, we expect more rate hikes ahead. The Reserve Bank, in fact, has been warning of that. And we expect another hike at the Reserve Bank's meeting in June, which is uh, coming up and more hikes through the course of this year. That will push up variable mortgage rates, ultimately, by up to two percentage points um, from the lows that they got to through the pandemic. We've seen a rise in new listings in Sydney and Melbourne. We've seen a rotation in spending back from goods to services. People can go on holidays again, so they're not as keen to spend on holiday homes and updating their house. Um, but of course, it's also very hard to get that work done on updating the house if you are getting some work done. And high inflation is making it harder for people to save for deposits. And we've seen a decline in home buyer confidence and consumer confidence generally. So all of these things are weighing and of course, um, I think the big one there is the shift from ultra low interest rates, which was the main factor behind the surge in prices, along with the fact that a lot of people wanted to spend more on housing, to now um, seeing rising interest rates and people being less inclined to spend on housing because they've got other options to spend their money on. So we know the story there on rising rates, and we've talked about that one endlessly. Um, and as I mentioned, we do expect the Reserve Bank to raise rates again when it meets in June. So what does all this mean? Um, first thing I'd like to note, though, is that slowdown, as I mentioned at the start, has been led by Sydney and Melbourne. Now, these markets are somewhat more expensive. They're perhaps more vulnerable, given higher debt levels to higher interest rates. And they've also lost a little bit in terms of population, particularly Melbourne, as interstate migration kicked off going up to places like Brisbane. And of course, uh, Perth is now reopening. WA has been reopening for the last few months, and that will also help support Perth. So some of these other cities may stay up a little bit longer, but I think they're all going to see a loss of momentum as a result of rising interest rates. So the slowdown in monthly price growth, I think, is also starting to see annual price growth roll over. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we saw literally a boom in prices through 2022. Prices rose 22% roughly. And on a year-on-year -year basis, that's way above the 10-year moving average, which is around 6% or so. So how do we expect things to unfold? Now, our view hasn't really changed. One of the first Oliver's Insights podcasts I did was on house prices. And uh, we forecast there that prices would fall 10 to 15%. That now seems to be commencing. And we have seen, we see no reason to change our view on that front. So we're still expecting a 10 to 15% top to bottom fall in national house prices. And that's going to reflect the combination of poor affordability, rising mortgage rates, 
monetary tightening from the RBA pushing up variable rates, um, probably to around 2% by the middle of next year. Higher listings in Sydney and Melbourne as vendors take advantage of higher prices, a rotation in consumer spending back to services and high inflation along with a collapse in home buyer confidence. So all of those things will mean that house price growth this calendar year will be a lot weaker. Um, I'm always a bit reluctant to provide calendar year forecasts because it means you've got to get the level right and the time right. And often that's getting those two things right is very hard. I'd rather stick to the top to 15%, top to bottom prediction of a 10 to 15% decline, which I'm a bit more confident in as opposed to the precise timing. But this year, we're probably going to see prices come off a little bit. They've already gone up on average up until April. They've now started to come off. And I'm talking here about national average prices. Um, they're probably going to end up down around 2%. Um, for next year, though, we expect prices to keep falling, probably down about 10%. Bearing in mind here, I'm talking about a top to bottom fall of 10 to 15%. And that's from the high point, which I, I think was probably about April. So it won't necessarily line up with those calendar year numbers I just mentioned. And we can see prices bottom sometime late in 2023 or maybe early 2024. Now just bear in mind, so if we get yeah, 13% top to bottom fall, so the midpoint of that range, that would take prices back to where around right about where they were in March last year. So yes, a big decline, big negative for those who've bought in recently on low deposits. There's going to be some pickup in those seeing negative equity on their property. Um, but really, it, you could see that as a correction to that huge gain we saw in prices over the last 21 months. Now, of course, some cities are going to be hit harder than others. Sydney and Melbourne, I think, are probably more vulnerable. I'd throw in, probably throw in Canberra there, although Canberra's a bit hard to pick given the relative stability of the public service sector. Um, Brisbane and Adelaide may hold up a little bit longer and may not have the same degree of falls as we see in Sydney and Melbourne. And Perth and Darwin may also hold up better because Perth has only just risen above its 2014 high and Darwin is still below it. Regional prices may also hold up a little bit better and units may not fall as much um, as, as house prices because they didn't go up as much. So bottom line though is I think all sectors of the property market will be affected by higher interest rates. So the, there's obviously risks around this. There's a couple of risks on the upside. One is that immigration returns a lot more strongly than I'm assuming, so that drives underlying demand. I tend to think that would initially show up in, in higher rents for rental property, where the rental market is quite tight. Uh, then eventually higher home prices, but that would have come with a lag that's more like a 2024 story, I think, before that starts to impact. Now, there is an element of this which I didn't mention in the written version of the note, um, and that is we do have a, a very tight rental property market, and that obviously um, does also provide some support for the overall property market, which I should mention. The other point to note is that the government, the new government, has uh, committed to 60,000 low deposit home loan guarantees, building on the government, previous government's 50,000, and they're also talking about 10,000 places in a help to buy schemes. I think those things will keep prices higher than what otherwise have been the case, but I don't think they're enough to stop the unfolding downswing that we're likely to see. The more significant risks are probably on the downside, and I think they relate to the fact that this is the first interest rate tightening cycle we've seen in over 11 years. And of course, we have much higher household debt to income ratios and, and much higher house price to income ratios than we did in the past. So we're coming from higher levels of property valuation than was the case way back in 2009 when interest rates last started to rise. Now, on the positive side, the Reserve Bank has indicated that uh, on its analysis, 
Most households are well ahead on their mortgage payments. They've built up significant buffers. Don't forget, APRA's been testing home buyers on their ability to withstand 2.5% or since October, 3 percentage point increases in their mortgage rates. So if that's all the case, then there shouldn't be too much to worry about. I guess there's a lot of unknowns around this though, and that's why I think it's still worth noting that this is probably the bigger, the biggest risk. There's gonna be a bunch of people out there who haven't seen rate hikes before, haven't um, had as much time to get their mortgages and their debt under control, and who could be vulnerable here. And of course, on the flip side, you've got the Reserve Bank under pressure to raise interest rates and get inflation under control. And given all the noise we're hearing around inflation, it could go quite a lot higher before it gets better, which will maintain pressure on the Reserve Bank. Now, there is a flip side to all of this, and that is the fact that house prices are now starting to weaken tells us that Reserve Bank monetary tightening, which arguably started last year with the removal of the 0.1% bond yield target, which then led to higher bond yields and higher fixed mortgage rates, that that monetary tightening is now starting to get traction. And the Reserve Bank will take note of that. Now, the Reserve Bank does not target house prices but it does target inflation and employment. And if we start to see house prices coming off, the Reserve Bank knows this will act as a drag on consumer spending uh, via negative wealth effects. Negative wealth effect is where your wealth goes down, you feel poorer, you spend less. And of course, when you spend less, that takes some pressure off inflation. So the Reserve Bank will be conscious of the impact of its tightening on the property market. And so I think there's a good argument to be made that the Reserve Bank will look very closely at this. And if property prices look like they're going into free fall, um, they will pull back. And ultimately, therefore, that because property market is slowing, which I think will be consistent with other indicators showing some slowing in demand, that that will take pressure ultimately off the extent to which the Reserve Bank has to raise interest rates, which is partly why I think money market expectations for the cash rate to rise in the next 12 months above 3% still remain a bit too hawkish to me. I think more likely the Reserve Bank ends up at around 2% for the peak in the cash rate, maybe 2.5%. Um, but I think you just gotta bear in mind the Reserve Bank does not operate in isolation. This is a dynamic system. It will take account of what other variables are doing and it does look at house prices because they do impact spending in the economy. So, point about a lot is that the Reserve Bank does not want to raise interest rates so much that it crashes the housing market and crashes the economy in the process. But obviously, in the short term, it still has quite a bit of work to do to get interest rates higher. So in conclusion, I do think the property market is slowing as um, I guess a whole bunch of indicators have been pointing towards. And that's an inevitable consequence of the boom we've had over the last 18 months, two years. And we expect that there's gonna be more weakness ahead. A couple of points to note though. First thing is that there's a good chance, and I don't wanna push this one too hard, that if the 25 year or 30 year decline in interest rates and inflation is now behind us, and we're now into a sideways or maybe upwards trajectory over the next decade or so in inflation and interest rates, that will remove a tailwind for the property market that's been with us for the last 25 years or so and help to drive the 25-year bull market we've seen in house prices. So yes, prices will come down. A bit of uncertainty will be how much they come up the other side again. I think they will start to rise again, maybe from 2024, but we'd have to see what where inflation is at that point in time and how much interest rates come down. If inflation is still relatively higher than it once was 
and interest rates bottom at higher levels than in the past, then it's going to be more of a constraint on the property market going forward. The other point to note, of course, is that the work from home phenomenon continues. Um, that's going to lead to, I think, increasing decentralisation, or hopefully anyway, um, and that should take pressure off capital city prices to some degree. Um, in contrast to the last 25-odd years, where high levels of immigration and constrained supply have led to exorbitant increases in prices. So I might leave it there. Of course, those two last points are, I guess, a, a stab off into the medium-term future. Um, none of this is to say that uh, property is not a, a great long-term investment like shares it is, but occasionally we go through these periods of volatility and um, more constrained returns, as we do in the share market. Um, all the best. I hope that's been of some value. And until we meet again, adios. Dr. Shane Oliver there sharing his insights on the latest in Australia's property market. Now, to stay up to date on all the latest from Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing series more broadly, subscribe to the podcast series on your favourite streaming platform. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, a quick reminder, all topics discussed today are general in nature and haven't taken your personal circumstances into account. That's why it's important that you seek out tailored financial advice that is relevant to your personal circumstances before making any important financial decisions.